Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful, here with a name you know. I was telling him just off the air, a huge inspiration to what I did. You know him from Kayfabe Commentaries. You know him from Click This. Sean Oliver, how you doing, man? What's going on? How are you? We're, we're two Sean's. It's a, I mean, spell yeah. the name the same. Gets confusing in the emails sometimes. Sean, tell Sean. Have Sean handle the Sean. Sean handle Did you Sean. deal with all the bullshit of people being like, eh, you spell your name wrong when you were younger, too? Not really. Sometimes today it even it blows my mind how people pronounce it when they see it. Sometimes people born in this country. I yes. understand if you just got here, but somebody here, a scene, you know, it's yes. like, really, I mean, you never saw Sean before. But how many famous Sean's are left? Right. Sean Connery gone. P. Diddy. Um, right. But yes, yeah, Sean, does, do people call him Sean? Yeah. They call him P. Diddy, right? Sean Penn isn't in the news enough. So. You and I are, are the we're last dying breed. Gonna kind of have to carry this on. If you're all right with that, I'm all right with it. I'm happy with the name. I even added a, a damn third name to mine. I was like, you know what? I need to stand out even more. So it's Sean Ross Sap. So by God, here we are, and we're talking about click this among other things. And I, I was so happy to hear that you and Kevin Nash were doing a podcast together because you guys are my favorite interview combination of all time. Like. 
to me, the teabagging Jim Cornette line was probably my favorite line in the history of wrestling interviews. Like, you you had to know immediately, like, you all had something very special there when you're doing those. It was people like you, Sean. It was fans that, I mean, I always enjoyed the shows. Kevin obviously enjoyed the shows. He was willing to do them for next to nothing, <laughs> which he doesn't do. Yes, I but, know. Um, but if people would talk and we would consistently see over the years, while kayfabe commentaries was still very active, um, not just, uh, you know, the legacy stuff we're airing now, of course, on YouTube, which we'll talk about. Sure. But sure. Uh, people would, would request it and, and, and enjoy it. Then even after that, it continued. Uh, the words that were thrown around were chemistry and all this stuff, the impossible things to prove. They just wanted to hear me and Kevin talk. Well, he was talking. I was mostly asking questions. So we, we, that started. And then about, it was 20, 2018, I guess, when he said, well, let's, let's do a podcast. And there weren't as many wrestling podcasts in 2018. It's like, uh, you know, the baby boomers, the, the podcast boom happens. And there's a proliferation of little bastards running around called podcasts. And, um, some should live. Uh, some should meet another fate, maybe. But there are a lot. And there's a lot of competition now for people's attention. So in 2018, there was less so. But Kevin is still very busy. I mean, he's retired from the ring, but he's often obligated to other wrestling promotions for other oh, things. Oh, I saw, I saw the cannabis commercial, too. Yeah. Then there's stuff like wild. that. that pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> His travel schedule is pretty crazy too. So after a few false starts, we talk about it. I'd get random texts at two in the morning, like me, you podcast, call me tomorrow. And, you know, we call and we talk and it was just, it, it would never gain traction. So finally this year, he said, it's now or never. There's just too many out there. We're, yeah. we're going to have to do this. So I said, if we're going to do it, we're, it, you know, it's going to have to be a commitment. We're going to have to do it the right way. It's going to have to be a, it's going to have to be a real deal for people. You know, it's going to have to be a reliable thing for folks. Um, and, and that was it. And we were off to the races and we went, uh, we went a hundred miles an hour and now click this is a thing. I love it. I mean, he's, he's just one of the most eloquent, but funny, charming guys out there. And I think, I think honestly, you're, you're the best interviewer I've ever seen in wrestling and, the the way that you have always approached it is with this both remarkable professionalism and research, but the entertainment aspect is there because you're dealing with sports entertainment. You have to have a mix of those to to me to keep an audience engaged. Like when you're refining something like that, it is there ever like sort of a give and take in that sense for you where you're like, damn. Maybe I want to turn it up and be a little more entertaining, but I want to scale it back and get this answer and be professional. But I mean, ultimately, what you're trying to do is just engage the audience. Yeah, that that's what it is. Um, it is it, it's a product. It's entertainment. I always said yeah. that, like the best guest for a show uh, is at the crossroads of engaging and entertaining and knowledgeable. If one is absent, it's a dead end street. So. Sometimes people would question us. We had a series timeline where we would have one guest chronicle one year in wrestling. And sometimes people would question, who, he never had the heavyweight title that year. Yes. But the guy that did is very unavailable. Yes. And the guy below him will put you to sleep 
if you listen to their voice for two hours. So you had to find right guest, right show. So we needed someone to be able to talk about that entire year. They had to be working near the top of the card to be involved in all the TV tapings so that they could talk about everything that went on in whatever, 1987. Um, but also be funny. So yes. the year I cited, 1987, was the Hockey Talk Man. Entertaining, intercontinental champion, perfect. He could talk about everything that went on in 1987. So entertainment value was very important to me. Uh, we had top-of-the-line research. Anthony was my business partner in the company and the one who did all of the, the research to a to the detriment of his eyes and, and his health, probably uh, how much we did to make sure. Cause listen, with a timeline, you're talking about 20 years ago, 30 years ago, in some cases, an unreal amount of research. Like, cause you all, not only that you're displaying the, some of the notes on the screen as well. So right. we get to physically see a lot of the research that went into this. People also often ask why cut to the, the words in my mind, I I'd said, no one will ever write a total compendium about the history of the WWE. Yeah. No one will do it or someone will do it. It'll be research. It'll be some historian or podcast host who's going to research and write it. But what if we got each chapter written by the top worker that one of the top workers that year, and if, your, and if your DVD shelf was almost like a huge book with all the chapters. So it was almost like you read the beginning of a chapter, March 1st, 1987, the Honky Tonk Man defeats, blah, blah, blah. And then Honky comes out of the page and begins to talk to you about that time. That was my very acid trippy vision of timeline. And that's why the text, because it was kind of like a book come to life in my mind. And I mean, then there were times where like you would happen to be be like, okay, oh, Vince Russo wrote the show. He's available. Bret Hart was at the top of the card. He is available. Like you never know what you're going to get. And then there's some, admittedly, I went into Brian Myers and I was like, well, why'd they get this guy? Then I watched it and I said, oh, that's why they got this guy. Because he is all those things. He's engaging and funny and, oh, he was around the top of the card at that time too. It just didn't like really stand out in your mind that he was. I was surprised sometimes when I would call Anthony and go, listen, so-and-so is available. Anthony would be like, he was only there six months that year. <laughs> I'm like, really? And I look it up, particularly in the, the earlier days. Now guys stay around for forever, but yeah. guys would cycle the territories, come in and do six months, eight months WWE, and then go to Portland or whatever, right? So we'd uh, I'd come up with a name, and I'm like, that's great. We'll have him do like 1976 and be like, he wasn't there. And then, so I'd say, well, who was there? And you go through the research, you look at all the match histories, like on the history of WWE.com, places that compile this stuff. And he'd go, Kevin Sullivan. I go, no, I can't have Kevin Sullivan on a WWE show. And I'd look and the fucking guy did Fair. jobs. I don't know what the year is 1976, but like one of those years, Sullivan jobbed for almost 12 months there. And nobody else was there. Top of the card middle of the card guys would cycle so i was even surprised at some of the names that we would have to have cover entire years that's amazing that was my favorite series too i loved timeline i loved it because th there were so many things like 
I, I could pick up a year before I was born, and I didn't know a lot about wrestling before then. And chronologically, you learn about it, and not in the the WWE kind of whitewashed way. You get to hear from a personality who was there, and usually, if they're doing a shoot interview. They're well past the point of like, yeah, I'm going back there. I'm going to go do some work there. They're they're ready. They're there to tell the story. They're there yeah. and they're ready to go. And I just always loved that. And this the other series that you guys would branch off into. I mean, some of them got real and emotional. Was there ever a time where you were like, this is too much. I don't know if I can air this type of thing. No, because that that if I was saying that, that meant that I had something very airable yes. that, that people would talk about. So the the moment I wanted to vomit, that I talk about I talk about something in the in the introduction of uh, one of my books, The Business of Kayfabe. I was talking about oh, oh no, or was it Father's Blood? I don't even know myself. No, no, no it was Father's <laughs> Blood, which talked about parents in wrestling. We had done the first episode of Breaking Kayfabe, which was a series where we talked about wrestlers' lives outside the ring. And it, it became a very, I know it was going to be a serious show, but it became a very emotional show. It was with Sean Waltman, X-Pac. And, um, and I, we were talking about his struggles with addiction and, and disappointments and things that he was personally disappointed in, in his life. And I brought up his kids and I said them by name. And it it took him out at the knees. I mean, it devastated him. And he said, I, I just really wish you didn't say that. And I said, I'm, I'll bleep it, but just stay here and talk to me about them. And I, I Sean is someone who I've had a good relationship with and I, and I like him very much. And I felt extremely disappointed in myself. Sweetheart of a guy. Amazing guy. And, uh, and, and in this show, he was owning up to a lot of stuff. And I knew by saying his kids' names, saying the names, not well, what about your kids? What do they think? Saying the names would take him somewhere viscerally. And I was nauseated that I did that as a person. But as a producer, the interview went where I wanted it to go. And and I, and it's an interesting dichotomy. Yeah. So to answer your question, the things that make us good people don't necessarily make us good producers of entertainment fair point i mean i I ran into a situation one time where i I got presented with an interview with alberto del rio and he had done some pretty dicey shit and i was like all right if he by the way there there had been pending litigation and things about this i was like if he maintains some sort of responsibility for this i mean i'll talk to him that's the job i'll talk to him but then we get on the air and it was really gross and it was it was really hard to, to sit there and I had to cut it off and I'm just like, I ain't fucking airing this. I can't, there's no way I could, I could personally do it because of a lot of, I knew it was factually incorrect what he was saying. And he just, he wouldn't hear that I happen to know this, this information. So, I mean, uh, have you ever gotten sort of a confrontational type of thing like that or heat from something that like, maybe you just aired? Cause I mean, obviously You'll make little jokes here and there, but largely it's it's the subject talking. But a lot mm-hmm. of times you get like you get that shrapnel, as they call it, that shrapnel heat yeah. where you get it by association. No, there was there. I don't think there was ever a time where a topic came up that was so off color or taboo that we didn't air it. Usually the talent would just answer. Mm-hmm. And listen, the worst thing for a shoot producer to have on set would be a lie detector. I told people, they're like, oh, 
Why aren't you calling him on this? So what proof is he going to present me right now one way or the other? We're talking about 35 years ago. And, and ultimately, my job is to entertain you. We're not the nightly news. So um, the, the worst thing for me to do would have been to put someone through a polygraph. Don't think we didn't have plans for a show <laughs> called Wrestler Polygraph that we sat down with people who have said outrageous things and wanted to see what came out. That and we had a great, you know what? Shows never produced. You shoot from beyond. A Ouija board and a medium there. Uh, we would only ask questions to deceased wrestlers. And uh, the medium would either channel it or it would be spelled out on the Ouija board. We talked about it. We never did it. So those are things that are best stayed in the quarterly meetings, uh, best kept in the quarterly meetings. Listen to me, English major. Um, I'm not. <laughs> so uh, to answer your question, I, I, I think anything that went on air was OK. I, I have cut stuff before. Yeah, I edit. We edit our shows, but a shoot interview company that edits their shows. Imagine that. Yes. Uh, but usually. It was when it veered into someone outside the business, a wife, kids. Um, they didn't sign up for this. The, the talent, when they decided to be on television for their lives, they signed up for it. You want to talk about another wrestler being a douchebag? That's fine. But uh, family is where we usually drew the line. And, and anything criminal, anyone accusing someone of something criminal, obviously, you got a disclaimer that or cut it all together. So uh, one of my dream interviews is, still Dixie Carter for some reason, but a lot of that reason is the interview you all did. And what, what a unique thing you all were white hot. And Dixie was like, let me, let me get on board. Let, let's do this damn thing. Did you like, what were you expecting based on her unique uh, approach to what she did and, and, and sort of the fandom did like, do you think she knew what she was getting into in that regard? You shoot was always the promise of you shoot was um, unrestricted fan access to somebody, usually over video, the safety of video or the keyboard. If you want to insult somebody, you want to use your time for that, send it in. You want to compliment somebody, propose to somebody, send it in. We'll play it for them and get their reaction. We just had to make sure we had people that were entertaining enough as guests and lightning rods to elicit uh, such a, uh, a passionate outpouring. So people like Dixie Carter, who people have to understand that the context and the time frame here, everyone was talking about TNA versus WWE at yeah. the time. And Vince certainly wasn't coming on any of my shows to face the fans and ask that and field anything they wanted. I thought I had a shot with Dixie. Yeah. Who might say, yeah, we're the underdogs and fuck it. You want to ask me anything? And that's exactly what happened. So we got, uh, we were fortunate that she did it and we aired everything. I mean, the, the initial. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Criticism was going to be, oh, they won't put on disrespectful questions. If you've ever seen the show, yes. there are questions asked from the toilet. Somebody being woken up who rolls over and goes, oh, I'm sorry, I fell asleep, must have been watching the last TNA pay-per-view. We aired it all. I edited one question out of the show, 
One, which uh, it was a question about her grooming preferences. Oh, okay. I thought we didn't have to go there. Sure. But anything wrestling related? Did uh, she, did she answer it? What's that? Did she answer it? Oh, no, no. I never asked. Oh, I mean, okay. I cut it on tape. I was like, I, was okay. like, I can't do that. Okay. <laughs> How am I going to sit there? And I, I wonder if I would have. And that isn't week. me being interested in the answer. That's me being interested if she would have answered type of thing. Oh, no, please. Like, you don't you don't want to know if she answered wood floor or full bush. Come on. Oh, man. But, I mean, yeah. a lot of these series we've talked about, uh, they're going to be on best of the Casey Vault memberships that, that you guys have available. And YouTube is such a... a it was such a big part of kayfabe commentaries before you were probably actually making money off of it because you all were one of the most pirated things, quite honestly, on the internet. How like do you sort of parse that where you're like, okay, um, I've got the stuff that I'm selling. People are putting it out here for free, but then you end up launching your own thing, which is how it should be. You should be making money off of your work. It went. Uh, there was a. There was kind of a, a chronology to everything. We first came out, and it was. It was a DVD world at the time. So, yeah. people were purchasing this stuff on DVD. We used YouTube for trailers. We would. We would air our trailers to our stuff and direct people to the website to buy the DVDs. Um, naturally, with that and with anything that people love, you have piracy. People don't bother to pirate stuff that isn't loved and requested. That's a good point. And, desired i looked at it as a compliment so the way i kind of handled that was full shows would have to be taken down obviously this is a business model it's you know there's there's no more shows if we can't pay for them so of course uh, but when people would put up their favorite 10 minutes of you shoot tony atlas <laughs> i said what a great commercial yes great commercial for this so that's how we treated it people who did clips and not 35 clips in a row of the same show. People yeah. put up four clips here or there. I looked at it as, as a compliment and really a great advertisement for our stuff. So YouTube now becomes not just a supplement to programming, but a vehicle to deliver programming, like a network, like a streaming network, um, uh, even with the original shows like Cobra Kai and whatnot. So now it's a channel. So we can start putting our stuff up. Um, now, additionally, in order to handle the vast piracy, and I had no idea how rampant it, it was. People it would was, send me. It was very rampant. Oh, my God. Like, I would see stuff on my own. People would send me clips. We finally decided with a company, listen, let's go through. Let's claim all this mm -hmm. electronically. And if there are ads running on it, redirect the ads to us of course and if there are no ads we put ads people want to share their favorite videos that's fine but they shouldn't be making money off the company yes i agree so that's what we did we said let's leave everything there let's just derive the revenue from it 2200 videos in in our, in our first iteration of this uh anti-piracy push whatever it was called so i was like wow okay so this is <laughs> This is this. These uh, we, we were filled with parasites, and you know we yeah. didn't even know we were a little itchy. So and so that's what we did. Then um, we started doing best of the KC Vault. KC Vault was a subscription-based channel. DVDs were gone, and so now we needed to do the subscription-based channel. Yeah. And we put our stuff on. Uh, it was hosted by a company called Pivot Share, still is uh, on one of our channels, and um, uh, so we put our stuff out there. Now, as part of that subscription channel. 
fans were asking for things that justifiably they should have been because I would have been also. How come we don't have an app that we could just launch and watch this stuff? Why do I have to log in and go through the hmm? Why do I have why do I why don't I have an app that I can put on, on my smart TV so I can watch it on a big TV? Hmm, good question. You know, here we are, 2022. Yeah. So we were already using YouTube to show free videos as a sample of what was in our vault subscription. Every month we put five or 10 videos up full length, watch the whole show. There are ads to derive some, some revenue, but they're free for you to watch. And if you want to subscribe, we have, you know, whatever, 500, 600 hours of programming, go to the vault and, and you can have all the shows. But we weren't able with the other developer to get all those apps and that accessibility that everybody wanted. Yeah. So by moving everything to YouTube, and we were also allowed to put more on YouTube than we were putting on the other channel also. Yeah. So we said, let's do it. Let's let's make YouTube the the host of the vault on YouTube. And um, people can watch the free videos if they like it. Click the join button. And now for $14.99, they can watch all of our programming 183 shows full length shows edited music 183 i guess doesn't sound like a lot but these it's are a lot. Four, two three hours lit scripted shot edited scored full productions full length feature productions 180 something of them and now they can do that via youtube you've got the power of youtube the stretch the the uh the stretch of youtube you you can get it on just about every smart tv now you can watch it on tv on all your devices whether it's android or iphone so now the vault we have the existing vault for people who like yeah. their service on pivot share but if you want to cancel that and come over to youtube to get that power of youtube you can do that now the platform of youtube makes a lot of sense too because like maybe one day you decide you want to do shoot interviews you want to do them live you want to do a you shoot live on youtube for your members that's an option for you you can do that of course they can send in questions as you're live on the air like it, it is a very versatile platform for interviews like that as well but i mean the, the content library that you guys have is just so immense and it, it encompasses so many different things and not just things that happened but hypothetical things too like that was one of the like guest booker was such an incredible series as well, where you go inside the mind of a lot of these people, some of them revered, some of them highly criticized, and find out, like, what the hell would you have done in this situation? What would you have done differently? And, like, wrestling fans love to fantasy book. They love history as well. They get to learn about history. They get to hear just straight-up shoot interview stories from people. Like, there's... It's such a versatile catalog, and you guys did so much there. I think it's... I think it's great that it's it's so widely available now. The shoot interview existed as a a sit down static shot with with somebody talking about their career from start to finish. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to a point where we've seen almost everyone already. Yeah. So when we got into the game, we said, "Well, we've got to format this. We've got to come up with formatting in the shoot framework." So people talking honestly about wrestling. But how? How are we going to do it differently? I don't care who trains you anymore. We know. We heard. Hiro Matsuda trained you in, in Florida. Fantastic. What What now? What are we going to do with this guest? So um, so Guest Booker was actually the first series we did. And we actually didn't plan on series-based stuff. Um, but we did the, the first Guest Booker. And we said, you know what? We can bring every Booker in here and give them uh, a different scenario and have them book it on camera something they were not creatively responsible for in wrestling could have even been a different generation yeah but how would they have handled it 
And so the first few shows were very heavy on the booking, the fantasy booking element of it. And we saw people were dissatisfied with that. They were like, well, I hate fantasy booking. It's too many, you know, too many variables. You know, they just erase reality from it. And I was like, okay, so that that makes a little bit of sense. So what started to happen was we started to kind of meld the profile of that person's creative mind with that fantasy booking exercise, which was to be the second half of the show. Unless you were Mike Graham and you walked in and you talked for the first half of the show and then said, I don't know how to book anything. And then went down to the table of wrestlers at the bar. And when they said that was fast, what did you book? And he said, I booked my way out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got a good meme out of it, though, didn't you? Like, well, did I mean, we? like he I mean, at least you got you got a good story, I guess. You got a good story out of it that I could tell people. Yeah, yeah that's. Gave you your money worth, money's worth, kid. Like, it's, how how often did you deal with the carny aspect of it? Of course, we know some stories about people just not showing up. But like those people that'd be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this money. I'm not gonna give them anything. Did you have to deal with that much, if at all? Because I mean, well, the that... famous the, the famous story is the Conan. We sent him the deposit, and sure. two times he didn't come. He's concocted some excuse that it was a health issue or but it wasn't he just didn't come and didn't pick up the phone for us or the convention promoters or, or anybody so it's, it's pointless to give him airtime about it um but the reason i was mo most disappointed was it was going to be a great guest booker he was going to talk about booking lucha so it would have been such a great addition to that yeah. to that set it was only 500 to us but it was a whole show which would have been historically valuable to fans. So, you know, you, you fuck us. That's one thing you fuck your fans. That's, that's something altogether different. Um, so there was that a wrestler might've shown up in no condition to perform. And uh, we, we said, uh, you know, you're, you're buff. You look real tired tonight. So let's do this another time. Oh, no. And uh, then he didn't, uh, which is unfortunate because that would have been a good show also. And um let's see uh sid didn't get on a plane once oh, that's um, shocking but, uh, i know right it's a, i didn't i didn't even i didn't even tell the crew to show up when i booked it two months before <laughs> i had let them think they had the weekend off because i knew he, he uh, blamed the travel ban uh, the trump travel ban one time for missing oh the, a booking. yeah ours was he lost his wallet in the airport okay yeah he could happen, I guess. he it had to fly happen. from wherever like arizona to cleveland and he said sorry brother the trump travel ban and they're like that's not for america that's not a thing so they had ec3 dress up as sid and sign all the stuff that he was supposed to sign uh that night so i mean you're not alone in that one <laughs> but there was no money transacted there it, very rarely did we send advances be because of this kind of shit so um you know as a wise promoter you, you get paid when you show up there were a couple of people who sizable names that needed money up front i, I knew that sending a certified chick to, to a check to dixie carter would, wouldn't have been a problem i was gonna say or if you send a certified chick to some of these people you, you ain't never seeing that back. chick again you're not gonna ever exactly. see that chick again um but uh see but uh for the most part you know there, there was no advance money so didn't worry about it so uh as we wrap up not only do you uh, have the the Casey Vault and click this? But uh, you've written several books, including a, a couple about your your life and wrestling, but also uh, several novels as well. Uh, I read the the 2017 book. I as a kayfabe commentaries fanatic, that was just so fascinating, so fascinating to to hear about. What like finally got you 
to put pen to paper or, I don't know, fingers to keyboard, so to speak? I mean, I've been writing my whole life. I was in entertainment. And before that, just as a, as a kid, needing constant creative outlet, I wrote uh, short stories. I was a reader of novels and horror films and stuff. So I was always writing. And um, uh, The first writing project I was supposed to do professionally was Todd Gordon's autobiography five years ago, <clears throat> which he fortunately backed out of stuff going on in his life. Couldn't get it yeah. done. And I said, well, I'm all, I got my writing boner on here. So, you know, something's got to happen. So that's where kayfabe came. I said, let me put words to paper, not about my life, but about running a company in the professional wrestling world and not one the size of WWE, a production company the size of kayfabe commentaries dealing with all these recognizable names in this crazy carny world. It became a hit beyond my it, there were it was 19 months as the number one bestseller on amazon in the wrestling category now i know the wrestling category it's like a little bit like being the smartest guy in jail but um but still 19 months number one bestseller in any category yes is, um i knocked myself off a couple of times with with my subsequent releases but then kayfabe that first book would always go back to the top there would be a wrestler release so someone would, yeah a, a wrestler would write a book jr would write a book and i'd get knocked down to third or say and then a week later kayfabe was back at number one i don't know how or why i don't i don't credit it's a good ass book it's a great book i guess but uh it wasn't my plan i wanted to tell my story for the kayfabe commandos i figured they would eat it up however many you know a few thousand of them there were i didn't expect the other stuff so then I, I put out a couple of subsequent wrestling books and more and some novels that opened the door for novels, um, some thrillers. Uh, and then just this past year, about last November, I always talked to Todd and he said, I'm ready. And I said, you, you'll tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, uh, no matter what. He said, yeah, let's do it. And so we starting, we started last November um, and we just, uh, our agent sold the book last couple of weeks ago to Permuted Press, which published uh, John Moxley's book this year and Tyrus's book. So they want to get uh, a foothold on the wrestling aspect of sports. Yeah. So um, they thought that this would be, uh, would, would derive a crazy cult following is what they said. So we're going to prove them true when it finally comes out. It's called Todd is God. Check it out, guys. Check out uh, the KC Vault, youtube.com slash KC Vault. Join their memberships. Check out Click This as well. A lot of great stuff from uh, one of my favorite content creators that, that has ever been in wrestling. Sean, I thank you so much for taking the time. We got to talk again because I've got so many things I want to pick your brain about. But uh, I, I truly appreciate it. You got it whenever you want. Until next time, guys, we're out. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Browse safely, browse securely, change your virtual location with just one click on all your devices. Multiple tiers that allow you to get exactly what services you want. Four months free, a 30-day money-back guarantee. Get access to content that's geo-blocked in your area. Get access to pay-per-views at a much more affordable price thanks to that content that you unlock with nordvpn.com slash Fightful. Block annoying pop-up ads, block malware, Nord.
vpn.com slash Fightful. How, how are you going to pass this up? Really? How? I use it every day. Every day. It makes my browsing experience so much better. You should do it too. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.